You're now listening to an all-new episode of The Last Men Potting. I'm your host, Ahmad, back this week with my co-host, Steve, the self-described Black Skip Skip Bayless of podcasting. Steve, how the fuck you doing this week? Feel good. I got my powder blue shirt on. I'm ready to beat anybody ass who stepped in me wrong. Yeah, like, that's the energy that Tank Davis came out with. (laughs) He came out to love Sosa. And I was like, yeah, this nigga don't have a chance. Like, like this Ryan Garcia yo, guy don't have a chance. Like, Speaking you know, of that. Anybody speak wrong on Tank, I'm beating their ass. Yo, speaking of that, what happened to Chief Keith, man? He has so much potential, man, so much promise, man. I haven't heard from Chief Keith in a while. <laughs> I think Chief Keith achieved the heights that he was intended to. No, no, don't like, twist your face up like that. Like why? Because yeah, you, you said it? you like you 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 said it like he was supposed to drop a classic or something. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like we, I, we missed out on the Chief Keith. Yeah, no, I, I just I just expected like you know like more hits, like more uh, uh love sources and shit like that. Like I just thought it would be like thought he'd be bigger. You think about it, he's only sixteen. You, dropping. I don't know why you thought that. Like he's only, he, he he's wasn't only good at making music. He was only sixteen dropping that shit. Like you, you would think like it would be like progression from there. That's not that's not like a that's not a bad song for a 16-year-old dude to drop though. Like that's about what you expect. Like a nigga that's 16 is like, yeah, bitches love so like like that's it's like like that, that's like when people say, oh but like Bow Wow should have achieved greater heights as an adult. No, it's like, no, nah, he like, that's different. He had his he had his time. He yeah. was he was a child rapper. Like Chief Keef was a child rapper. Like yeah. he was like, or a what you will call a late teenage rapper or whatever. Like he had his little run, his little two, three years, and then that's it. Like he got what he was supposed to get. I think that's different though. Bow Wow transitioned to try to be like the movie guy or something. You know, plus it's like Bow Wow wasn't making hardcore rap. Like he was making like the kid shit. So it's like, you know, you would think like somebody like a Chief Keeper will refine. I think it's hard to transition from like n- being a Nickelodeon rapper to like now be a grown man rapper. As a, like somebody like a Chief Keef is like, he's already has his, has his lane. You would think he would just grow through his music. I don't think that. Like, what would make <laughs> you think that? Like, he had no artistry. Like, that shit was literally about. Yo, the ops is down the street. I'm yeah. on house arrest. Let me make a song about how I wish I could go down there and shoot him. Like, yeah. that's not art. Like, that's just, that's noise. And it's like, yeah, like, I liked it when I was drunk. But no. Like, <laughs> but it's funny. Like, I be talking to people and, like, people hold Chief Keef in this high regard. Like saying that, like he's influ, like he's like one of the most influential rappers of all time. Definitely, like yeah. I had that conversation with my brother the other day, and he's like, "No, you gotta understand, like there wouldn't be no Dirk or Herbo or none of them if it wasn't for him." And I said, "All right, like I'm all for giving somebody their flowers, but we're not gonna act like Fanetto is good music." Oh, Fanetto's like, great. Yeah, you know, yo, that you, shit is garbage. Yo, when you're at a party, you drunk, like somebody's getting hurt, like when that song comes on. Like it's violence when that song comes on. I've tried I've tried that classic. song in the gym, in the car, I've heard it in the club, and it's like I've yeah. always thought it was whack. No, that, no, that that's ass. Like that's a great song. Like just like I, I'll give him love Sosa and don't like, but outside of I like that, the, I, don't, I don't need to hear Chief Keith. That's that's great stomping nigga out music. That Fanetto, like. Say that shit don't make you want to stop a nigga out real hard. A nice oh, little dream on. That makes you want to find the mute button. <laughs> a little stop to the chest. A little stop to the but, chest. Um, 
you know, I, I find it funny, like, you know, with this boxing stuff sometimes, like, you know, the analysts and people try to build up somebody just because they're popular and say, like, they're <laughs> going to beat somebody that's actually skilled at the sport. And it's like, we've seen Tank for years, you know, just running through people, knocking people's head off. And then they put this pretty boy in there with him and he gets disposed of in seven rounds. And I, I wasn't surprised. Like, were you surprised, Steve? I mean, he is a boxer, though. He, like, he, it's not like he's just a pretty boy. Like, he had a nice little amateur career, and he's had professional fights. So this is not like Logan Paul or some shit. Uh, like, I, I feel like that's what boxing has become now, though. Yeah. Because it's like, it's like this dude has, like, he didn't fight anybody. Like, he, like, he didn't have the resume. He just had the popularity. And I know sometimes, like, you got to just sell a fight and, and make the money and shit. But it was very clear, like, from the beginning of that fight, he was outclassed. Well, that, it's funny that you say that because Tank said this was the most important fight of his career up to this point. So, you know, yeah, because it was the biggest fight in terms yeah. of popularity. But like, th- there was no competition. He said it after the fight. He's like, "Yeah, I, I got in there. I saw like we weren't on the same level." Yeah. So, like, you know, he was he was in there smiling at the nigga the whole fight. Like, like look, like you don't even know where it's coming from. Yeah, but you do got to think. the man down with a body shot. Yeah, yeah you do got to think about it. Like, nowadays, it's like, how many people are willing to get punched in? There's so many other ways to make money. That's like if you would bring back, like, these factory jobs. Like, these kids not going to work these factory jobs. It's like, they talk about, like, oh, yeah, they're pushing all those jobs overseas. It's like, yeah, like, bring those jobs back and see what the fuck working those jobs. Like, those factory line jobs. Nobody's working that shit. It's the same thing with boxing. Like, who, who the hell wants to get punched in the head for a living? So this is this is what you're left with. Yeah, maybe 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 that's what it is. It's like only Jake Paul and what what's the other one? Logan Paul are the only ones that want to still get punched in the head for a living. Yeah. Well, I think it's gonna be the bigger question of like Tank getting into the ring with those other guys, like the TFEMO Lopez and uh Devin Haney, all those type of guys, seeing you know, like those type of guys. So for whatever reason they built Ryan uh Garcia up to that point. I guess, like you said, just like the marketing standpoint, but he's genius of how he's able to use like the social media and different things like that. Like you can't really hate on the kid. And, you know, he can box a little bit. Like he got a little bit of craft. Like it's not like it's me versus Tank Davis or some shit like that. It's like this guy has experience. Well, nah, like I I don't want to sound like a hair. I'm just saying (laughs) it was, it's like if you watch boxing and you you see the sport a little bit, you would say like, no, like Tank gonna go in here and handle this dude. Yeah. And it was like he's hit like and it, like that's what happened. Tink's handled pretty much everybody the same way up to this point, too. So and you know, I, I was starting to think it's like with Tank, it's like he's now at that point, like he's 29 and 0. I've watched probably 90% of his fights in the last five years, and I've never even seen him in danger like that. So it's like he's starting to separate himself from the field. I don't think anybody gonna want to hop in there with him. Like, yeah. you know, because he, like, he's sitting everybody down and, uh, like, you know, niggas not going to try to derail their career getting in there with him. Like, like you you seen Bud Crawford duck the fade when he thought he was going to get a loss. Like, niggas would rather just fight some any bull, you know, collect another punk-ass check <laughs> than, than get in there with uh, and really test their mettle. Well, I know, uh, like, according to Mayweather, he ducked the, uh, what's my man, um... The the little uh foreign guy. I can't think of his name right now. Uh shit, I can't think of his name. The the uh the Ukrainian bull that 
Like he'd be punching real fast. This shit, I can't, I can't think of his goddamn name. It's slipping my mind. Though. The Ukrainian bull that be yeah. punching, like that could be anybody. <laughs> because those are the only ones that fight. Like the third world country bull is like, I must fight. I must fight to feed family. Okay. Well, yeah. So you talking about who's gonna still be here to get punched in the head is gonna be those dudes. Like yeah. they come over here and they're like, this is nothing. Like, <laughs> it's like. It's like you have gym. I don't gym. Like I train <laughs> on mountain with rock. Like we don't have weights. <laughs> like it's a heavy bag. We push. We punch rock. <laughs> so you know, we we were talking earlier in the week about about sports and how I think for both of us, like as we've gotten older, we just kind of like lost interest in a lot of sports, but. I find fighting is something that I can still get into for that very reason. It's like, you know, when you hear the stories, like these dudes are in there fighting for their life and there's not like a lot of diva shit so much where it's like, you know, I don't get paid unless I get in this ring and that bell rings and we fight. So like you have to take that type of shit seriously where you see these, you know, football players, basketball players and all that, like they, you know, oh, I can't feed my family off this 30 mil and all that other soft ass shit. So it's like, what do you think it is? Like, wh- where did the diva athlete come in at? Because I don't think like it was always like that, like back in the day. Like, I don't think Wilton then played that shit. So like, wh- wh- where did the diva athlete come from? Uh, I think you have to bring, I think you have to blame LeBron. Like, you know, LeBron uh, uh, for years hasn't had enough help, uh, you know, throwing his teammates under the bus. Um you know, throwing the organization under the bus. Like, I, I think it it had to start in that time period and just completely uh, continue to start to elevate just from the bitch asses that we see now. So um, I, I think LeBron brought a whole new element to the game with just like the diva athlete. So uh, unless you could think of somebody well, was else. Was there something specific that LeBron did? Like, because I feel like that's a that's a tall charge to just put, a, put yeah. it on LeBron. Yeah, I mean, who else though? Like, it's like... You know what I mean? Like, so you're saying there were no divas before? No, because like, what was it? Latrell's free roll was 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 uh, choking the coach out way before LeBron was even on the bat. So, like, no, like that that shit predates LeBron. What was that? Yeah, you had Dennis Rodman taking weekends off to yeah. go to WWE, and I forgot about him for book signings and shit. Yeah, I don't, I, basketball is just a different sport, though. I, I, don't, I don't know. All right, all right. No, sorry, I, LeBron. I think- yeah, like I, I think like I think like you had like the the Deion Sanders type guys who they were flashy, but he always showed up on Sunday and handled his business. And I, yeah. I don't really remember hearing Dion complain too much. But I think like a lot of guys after that, they took all like the flashy pretty boy shit, and then they decided they didn't want to put in the work because it's like even somebody like Iverson, he'll he'll be like practice. Practice, but he go out there, bust his ass, be hitting the floor hard as shit and all that. And it's like, you never questioned, you know, his commitment to the game. Where, like, a lot of these dudes now, it's like, you question their commitment. Like, they just be, they, they're they soft. Like, they don't want to take it to the hole no more. Or it's like, oh, I, I can't show up unless, you know, you have my uh, training room right and the cryotherapy and all that shit. So, yeah, like, I, I don't know if it's LeBron's fault, but... I, I think it is just like a whole new generation, but the decision didn't help. I, I will give you that. The decision didn't 
Well, I, also, too, I think there is, like, uh, good aspects of it because you think about it, there are certain old guys who fought through injuries that, you know, derailed their career, whereas everybody's complaining about low management. Like, who knows, maybe, like, a T-Mac or a Grant Hill, maybe that could have saved their career a little bit. So I kind of see why, like, you know, guys are like, ah, fuck that. I'm not – Oh, we we playing the Raptors tonight. Like, I'm I'm not showing up for that shit. Like, <laughs> like, like yo, like yo, send the young boy to go play them niggas. Like, I'm not. <laughs> like, we playing the T Wolves for. Like, I'm not trying to play them. Like, fuck out of here with that shit. Like, is, is that like when a job gives you <laughs> sick days and you just wake up and you be like, yo, fuck that shit. Like, I'm yeah. not, like I'm not doing that shit today. So, are we being too hard on the athletes? Like, they should you know, be allowed to just take a sick day. Like you know, it's funny. Is just a sick day. It's funny though, because I was like, one of the boys at the job overheard him talking about that shit. He's like, he's talking about when the new 2K drop. He's like, yo, he, he called his boss, like, how many sick days I got? He's like, uh, you don't have any more. I was like, all right, well, you can just fire me. Like, fuck it. Like, I'm just not going to show up. <laughs> well, yeah. No, maybe that's just an overall thing about like the modern work ethic now. Like maybe it's not just exclusive to athletes because I was reading something the other day about labor statistics and how a lot of industries are finding it hard to hire people now because people got used to working from home during COVID and like they're refusing to take a job if they can't work remotely at least part of the time. It's like people want like a three to two day split of going in the office versus being at home and different things like that. So I think overall people are just leaning more into, I want to be comfortable like as much as possible. And if you want to make me do anything that makes me uncomfortable, I'd rather just quit or not show up. Well, I think there is uh when we're talking about the modern worker, I think there is a point to where people realize like, okay, that, $15 an hour doesn't get me the same that it did in 2018, 2019. So it's like, why the fuck am I going to do that anyway? Like, I, I might as well be comfortable. Like, I'm getting fucked anyway, so I might as well be comfortable while I'm getting fucked. Getting in, getting into the topics for this week, um, you know, the movie club continues. We're, we're talking about money this month, money, greed, morality, all, all of those type of topics. And this week we're talking about the... 2014 movie 99 homes starring michael shannon and andrew garfield um it's a movie it's a movie about um real estate basically and it uses real estate as a vehicle to discuss like um chasing what the american dream is what greed is what morality is when it comes to doing business and money and um and and making money and this was a movie that I saw when it first came out in 2014. And it always stuck out to me, mainly because of like Michael Shannon's performance, I thought was really good. But it also like resonated with me like at that point in my life, because I was like trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my career, like how I wanted to make money. And I think, you know, at a certain point, like we were talking about, like with the diva athletes and all of that, you have to decide like what type of person you want to be when you go into business. Like, do you want to be, do you want to do business the right way? Or are you just trying to make money and get rich quick, hit a lick as the kids say. And um, I think like, this is a good movie to talk about that because you can look at it and say, you know, I like, I want to get money. Like I have ambition I want to go after and make something of myself. But 
I think there always comes that line sometimes where you could go too far. You could start to lose yourself in a moral sense, or you could just like lose yourself and like just get so wrapped up in the task that you're doing that you don't think about how you're impacting other people. So um, the movie put, puts all those questions in front of the audience and, you know, what, what are your just like general thoughts on the movie? Because you, you hadn't heard of it before uh, we talked about it last week. I mean, I thought it was a decent movie. You know, uh, I think it did a good job of breaking down like how certain people were caught in a bind with their home and trying to fight for the home and like how attached they were to that home and how there were certain, you know, uh, real estate moguls at that time. That's just like, man, fuck this. Like, fuck you and your home. Like, I have to own this. So I thought it did a good job of kind of showing you like the the other side of the crash from like the human perspective of like, damn, I'm losing the house that has been four or five generations. I fucked everything up and I can't lose this. In general, you said like you don't really you don't really click on these type of movies. Like when you're scrolling through the apps, like you're you're more looking for like the money talks type of shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah. like National what is Security. it about these type of movies that. Yeah, yeah. Anything by Adam Sandler. Blue Streak in your top blue, five. Blue Streak, anything by Adam Sandler, like shit like that. <laughs> so, like, what is it about these movies that make you not click on them, like, on your own? And it's it's like normally, like, we have to do a podcast, and I say, no, Steve, check this drone out. Like, it's a good movie. Yeah, the melodramatic shit really not don't be for me like that. Like that fucking, you know. uh bold and beautiful type shit or just like some bitch ass nigga crying about like oh i'm about to lose it all like that shit ain't really for me like i just like to you know sit down and relax watch a goofball do some goofball shit and just you know have a take a load off and laugh like I, you know i ain't really trying to have some nigga bitching about like he losing his crib because he fucking has all his shit up well before we get into like the specifics of the movie uh, this whole idea that the movie does talk about <laughs> is like morality and making money because the Michael Shannon character plays a real estate investor who basically goes in and scoops up foreclosed homes at a low price when people are upside down in their mortgages. And he probably, you know, with uh, federal funding, he flips those houses um, and puts them back on the market for resale and like, you know, buy for a dollar, sell for two, that sort of thing. And there is that aspect of, you know, you're evicting people from their homes. And from the beginning of the movie, you see that he's very just numb to it at this point. He's used to it. It's it's the business that he's in. Um, so something like that, you know, where you're in the business of, you know, foreclosing on homes, evicting people. You know, there's there's people out, out here that invest in liens, you know, when people get in the rears on the taxes on their homes and stuff like that. So what do you think about morality when it comes to making money? Like, do you think that there's a, a clear line of, you know, you're on this side and you're on the other side, like there's good ways to make money and then there's bad ways to make money? I think you would have to say that uh, this is immoral because you're taking advantage of people who don't understand compound interest and, and the, the basics of, uh, you know, their emotions or, and all that type of stuff. So, uh my only thing with it is like, if you're going to do it, you got to go all the way with it. You can't, you know, be in between. So like you do got to, got to, got to respect the uh, main character, the guy who is uh, evicted people from their homes. You got to respect it because he's all in. So, you know, like you got to respect it from that standpoint. So 
just if you're gonna pick a side, just be all in with it and just deal with the consequences. Yeah, because like I, I think I think morality is about perspective because everybody doesn't have the same morals. You know, like what you might say is right or wrong might not affect me at all. I might just say it's like, all right, bro. Like I personally don't think it's immoral to be in that business because like you said is he taking advantage of people that don't understand the mortgage contract it's like why'd you sign something that you don't understand like you're an adult like at a certain point you sign your name on a paper they ask you do you understand it like when you go in the courtroom and they file charges against you they say do you understand the charges that are against you and you say yes like you can't come back later and say, oh, wait, I didn't understand. It's like they give you an opportunity for it to be explained to you. So if you're going to go sign a mortgage contract or any sort of contract, you know, understand the terms, read the fine print. And I, I think like that's more of the issue here than morality or just like in general, like when you're making money, I think if if you can go to sleep at the end of the night and say, all right, yeah, I, I did a good job today. Like, that's fine. Like, you know, some other people, they might not have the stomach for for this type of work, which I think is probably more of the issue here. It's like, do you have the stomach for it? Like, can you, you know, shut the part of the the emp- your empathy off when you're at somebody's door and you say, like, look, I, you know, we tried to tell you, we've been putting notices on the door, but you got to come up out there. Matter of fact, I'm going to get the sheriff to snatch you out there. Fuck <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like like you said, it's up to perspective. You know, we're in a a, a country where everybody kind of has you know their own perspective and their own. Uh, they pretty much do their own thing in regards to uh, what they believe right and wrong is. So, you know, I guess that's a good point from your standpoint. You know, it's like fuck it, whatever makes money, I guess. So, then there's also like the greed aspect because, like. When it when is enough enough? Because like later, as you get into the plot of the movie, you see a lot of <clears throat> a lot of different things happen, and you see the greed of the main characters start to come into play. Where they're one, they're doing something legal in the beginning of going through the foreclosure process. Like that's a legal process, but you know there there are parts where they do things to defraud the government so that they can make more money. And then they even get to the point where they're falsifying paperwork later in the movie. So, um, you know, greed, I think, is an interesting thing because it's like you can you know when you've had enough. But sometimes you say, well, yeah, like I have enough to sustain myself, but I want more. But then there's also that level of I want more and I don't give a fuck what I have to do to get it. And I don't care who I hurt or if it's illegal or whatever, that sort of thing. I think like those, there's like levels to greed where it's like, you could be a greedy guy that just wants to get everything that you get. But if like, you're not fucking anybody else over and you're just hoarding money, like you have the right to do that. We live in a free free society. But um, I think when you start infringing on people, like that's where like the greed can can, can turn bad do, do people know when they've had enough though because like when i'm at a buffet like i'll be two plates in i'll be like you know i'm cool but it's a buffet though like it's so much other shit out here that i ain't even try yet like i might as well get me like five six seven eight plates so like you know if i can get it if it's available to me it's like what is enough 
you know, like, like I think that's the mentality. It's like, you know what, dog, I, I got two cribs, but it's five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten cribs out there to get. Like, I ain't get the shit with the pool and the jacuzzi in there. I ain't get the shit that come with the bad bitch. I ain't get the shit that come with the sauna. So, like, like what is enough? Like, what do you mean by that? Like, uh, I don't know if people th- know if they've had enough, especially in this American lifestyle where it's like consumption, consumption. Everything is consumption. So, nah, I don't agree with that. I don't think everybody knows when they've had enough. I like the buffet analogy because at, at this point in the game, if you're still going to buffets, like an <laughs> asshole. Like I don't know why people are eat, uh, eating like that. Like all you can eat it should, like should just not be a thing. I like, like just eating till it hurts. Like no, like that, that's that's no good. Like you know you've had enough. Like you had enough at, after the first plate, but um, you grab like, that shit to the top. <laughs> It's yeah, like, like you got your food touching and shit. <laughs> well, like, see, I think I think food, <laughs> it's interesting because like, you know, you get physical responses, like hormonal responses when you're doing bad things to your body with food. But money, you don't necessarily get that. Like, you know, I've had financial goals that I've wanted to hit and then I hit them. And it's like once you're there it's almost like getting to the peak of a mountain or you think you're at the peak and then you look and you see, oh shit, there's more. So then the goal gets higher and then you keep going. But, you know, like I'm just over here, like by myself, I like I work, I do my job, I pay my taxes, eat my vitamins and all that type of shit. Like I'm not out here trying to fuck anybody over, but I want to get as much as I can. And I'm not, I'm not about to stop just because I've, that wasn't enough for me. Like I just wanted more like, and I'm going to keep going to get more. And I don't think I'm ever going to get to the point where I say, all right, yeah, like I've had enough money. (laughs) So, um, but I don't think I'm going to go to the point where like, I'm not, I'm not going to take penitentiary chances for money. Like to me, it's not worth it to, to do that. So like, that's where I say like enough is enough for me because it's like, once you start messing around and they say like, look, you know, somebody will go make you sleep in a closet for the next five years if you keep going. That's why I say, you know what? I think I think I got enough paper or, or whatever it is. But um, you you don't think most people have that that like control to shut off at that point? That that is funny. It's like he's like, yeah, I've had enough to sustain myself since I was fifteen. He's like, this thing, this thing is totally worried about it. So y'all been getting money since I was fifteen. No, because you don't need a lot. <laughs> Like, like, I, I, I don't, I don't mean it to come off like that. I mean it to come off as like I don't need a lot. Like when I had a one bedroom apartment and I was living on my own and my bills was paid and I could afford groceries, that was enough. Like I didn't need more. I just wanted more, and I went and I went and got it. Like I think a lot of people they get to that level and they stop and they say, well, you know, I'm sustained. I have, you know, food in the fridge. I have health insurance or whatever the fuck, like, and then like, that's enough for him. But there's other people like the Michael Shannon character. He said, you know, I want 99 homes or I want a hundred homes rather. Like we'll get to why the movie's called 99 homes in a minute, but he's like, I want a hundred homes. Like that's the goal where the Andrew Garfield character, he says, I just want my family home. I just want this home that my family's had for all of this time. And I, I always like lean more towards the Michael Shannon side when I see these type of movies. Like we've seen it in 
Wolf of Wall Street, um, you know, every single Scorsese movie where there's like a guy that he comes up in the game, he gets to a point and it's like, you know, enough isn't enough for him. So he starts doing some illegal shit because, you know, the greed just takes over for him. And um, like you said, like at that buffet, like because America is a buffet. It's like, you know, it's out here for you to get. I just think at a certain point you have to know. All right, you know what? My stomach's starting to hurt. Like my eyes have a bigger appetite than my body does. Or when it comes to money, like your mind might have a bigger capacity than the load that you can actually bear when it comes to, um, you know, legality and morality and all of those sort of things. Yeah, because when I'm at the buffet, like I'll be having the, you know, the remain the the. The, the vegetable remain in the, in the rice and the chicken, but I didn't eat the General Toast chicken yet. I didn't eat the the beef and broccoli yet. You know, it, it, it's just like I, there's so many different Chinese dishes that I didn't I didn't have yet. So I can't just do the one or two plates. I got to get about five or six, seven plates. So I understand what the the um the evil rich guy is coming from. I think just whenever you see these guys with this crazy selfish ambition, that should always lead to depravity. Like you look at a, somebody like a Scarface, it's like it's like I want the world, Chico, and he's just like sniffing coke and like he got to do like all types of crazy shit to keep the money coming in. And then next thing you know, you go into war with the boss because like you you want to be moral now. It's like I told you no kids. It's like it's like Tony, you fucking idiot. Like this is the fucking job, stupid. So that's what always happens at the end. It's like that shit never works out long term. Well, yeah, I I think it's um it's always funny, like you said, when with like a, a stone cold killer is just like no, like no women, no children, mm-hmm. and it's just like, but like the person that you're killing was a child at some point, and they probably have a mother and all of that, so they probably have like, kids just because it's a grown ass man, like their life mm-hmm. doesn't matter, like it. So I guess like the last thing before we get into the specifics of the movie, um, I. I think that in general, the movie looks at this idea of the American dream where Andrew Garfield's character has his home, his family home. He's living with his mother and his son, and he wants that home. He just wants to, you know, work construction, live a good life, take care of it, pay his bills, let his let his son have a nice home to grow up in. And then you have the other guy, Michael Shannon, at one point in the movie he says, like, you know, America is a business for the winners, by the winners, and that's what it is. Like, so this whole idea of the American dream, because earlier on you said that, you know, people are getting taken advantage of in these mortgage contracts and different things that they don't fully understand, you know, what they're getting themselves into. Um, Do you think, like, I think it's pretty clear at this point that the American dream is kind of bullshit or just like that conventional idea of it. Like, you know, a a two, what's it? A two car garage, two kids and a vacation every year that that's not really, you know, what, what's out here anymore in 2023. It's like, maybe if you were Caucasian in like 1950, that was the American dream, but it's like, that's just not what it is anymore. I mean, I wouldn't try it. Like, you might as you better off just try to hit licks from time to time and like just see what happens. But you know, all that two car garage shit. Good luck with you. You know what I mean? Like, that's how you want to live. Like, that's how you want to play the game. Cool, but that's not how I'm playing that shit. 
So the American dream now is just to hit licks. <laughs> like that's, that's hit, what hit I would do. Licks wherever you can. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I would do. Like that, that's the shit that makes the most sense. Like all, all of that fucking. I'm going to work this job and cash out this bitch. Good luck with you, my nigga. Like. Fucking pitch nigga, we were for a fucking thing with the time you retired, stupid. So, so yeah, so um, with with all that groundwork laid, let's let's get into the specifics of the movie. Um, what what was your what was your favorite scene in the movie? Uh, my favorite scene was when they drunk as shit at the uh, like after the party or whatever, and like he's talking to him and he's uh he's talking about the house or whatever. And he's just like, yeah, like, you know, basically kind of giving him like fatherly advice. It's like, yo, don't don't get too attached to that shit. Like, it's just the real estate, it's just boxes with, you know, whatever. He's, you know, like you remember that part when they're outside drunk and shit like that. So that that, yeah. that was my yeah, that was my favorite part of the movie. I thought that was like real impactful. Just great advice that he gave. You always kind of see this in movies sometimes, like where you see like a guy that doesn't have a fa- have a father or a father figure. He goes under the wing of some guy who like tries to put him on the game. Like at the beginning of the movie, Dennis gets evicted from his house, and then he starts working for Rick because he's trying to get this house back. And Rick is the type of guy. It's like, yo, if you're good at what you do, I'll give you as many opportunities to hit a lick as possible. And they start working with each other, and they build. And uh, Dennis is so focused on getting back the house that he got evicted from, even though he's gone past that house in earnings. Like, like you're at a level beyond that house now. And it's almost like what I was saying before, like when you're hiking and you get to a, to a certain level and you see like there's more out here, like you weren't able to see that there's more out here because you're so stuck and paying your bills and like being upside down in this mortgage and shit. And he's trying to tell him like, look, bro, like, yeah, you can get that crib back, but the shit is not worth anything. And at the end of the day, it's like, if you're out here working every day, you're putting your sweat and your labor and you're stressing yourself out to get something. Why would you dump all of that time that you did to get money back into an asset? That's not worth anything. That's really a liability. So you know, it's always interesting, like, when you see, like, the young dude just doesn't soak that up, because I've always tried to, like, listen to people, like, you know, when I've had opportunities to have conversations with people that are getting a lot of money, and say, and see, like, what they're doing, what their perspective is, and see if it just aligns with my morality, and it's just like, yeah, like, no, bro, I'll I'll walk away from that house, like, and, and just move on. But you see throughout the movie, everybody's so attached to this idea, this ideology of like, you know, this house, like this is mine. And it's like, yo, nothing is yours. Like you see that like guys in divorce court, it's like they're ready to kill the bitch. It's like the bitch was never yours. Like the bitch belongs to the, like the bitch and the kids. None of this shit is yours. Like people think like they this shit belongs to them. Like nothing on this earth belongs to you. Like we've seen it for like generations, years and years and years. And people just don't get it. They don't understand it. Yeah, like no, like, I would definitely sell that shit. Like, it's, it's, I, I'm not a, I'm not emotionally attached. I like, I'm not emotionally attached to any of the houses <laughs> that I was raised in. Like, if if one of my, you know, the elders in my family saw fit to like leave one of those houses to me, I would just look at it as a business transaction. It's like, all right, what is this thing worth? Is yeah. it worth it to hold on to it, or does it make more sense to sell it? 
And I feel like it's it's a lot simpler to live your life like that than to get wrapped up in emotion about, oh, I need it to be like this or like having these ideas about how your life is supposed to go. Because like I live in Vegas now, like I had no idea I would live in Vegas, you know, five years ago. Like I'm just here because like I, I go with the flow. Like I see where the opportunities are and I try to make the best of them as they come up. But like you said, like you don't own anything. And when you're holding on to these ideas of ownership, whether it's like you want your life to go a certain way or you want to stay in a certain spot, even though you like, you know, all your circumstances are pushing you out of that spot. Like that's where you get fucked up. Yeah, you have some guy coming to the crib talking about this is the bank's house. Don't you get it? <laughs> so, um, I wouldn't say like it's my favorite scene, but I think like those scenes are executed very well yeah. because like there, there's a montage in the middle of the movie where Dennis like just gets like he's deep in the trenches with evictions. And it's showing all of these different family structures. There's old people, there's young people, and it's showing how this just happens to everybody. And it to me, it's really like a commentary on financial literacy and how most people just don't have it. And it's, I wouldn't even say it's their fault that they don't have it because, you know, our education system like just fails people like to be prepared for the, these type of scenarios. But it's like, I think like that part of the movie is executed really well. Like it's it's hard to watch, like, you know, when you're seeing the old man get pulled out of his house and he doesn't understand, but you see people like saying, oh, well, I, I went down to the court and we filed this motion. So we're not gonna do this today. And it's like that lack of understanding is made very clear in those parts of the movies where, you know, the sheriff doesn't show up at your at your door because he doesn't know what is about to happen. Like, you know, if the sheriff's at your door with a warrant or like or with court paperwork saying, yo, we got to get you up out of here. Like, that's not the time to try to close the door in their face. Like, it's just it's not going to go your way. So I, I think like, you know, the movie does a good job of just highlighting that people need to understand these things a little bit better now, I think if you just look at it from a, mor a morality standpoint, you end up like the characters that get evicted and they all end up in this motel in the movie where it's like, you know, the eviction motel and everybody's there and they're like, oh, yeah, we thought we would only be here for a week and we've been here for two years. And it's just like. Well, do you did you ever think about why you're in this position it's not because everybody else is an asshole and they're mean and like they don't care about you. It's like you did something wrong to get here. And and Rick says that to Dennis at one point. He said, you know, you need to stop thinking about, um, you know, why everybody else is against you and why it's not fair and think about what did you do? Like, why were you thinking it was OK to take out a $85,000 second loan on your house? when you weren't making the money to pay that back? Like, why did these other people think they needed to put a gazebo on a house that they've been living in for 30 years? And now that's the thing that's getting them evicted. So I, I think like the movie does a good job of showing it's like, like, yeah, like Rick is cold, 
and he's kind of an asshole. Like he's mean to the people that works for him and he doesn't have a lot of patience for stupidity and that, that type of stuff. But up until the end, I can't say that he's really wrong. Like, because yeah, like I, I don't see how he's wrong. No, he's, he's definitely a bad guy. But I, I think back to like the, the execution of the movie, um, like I, that that Dennis character uh definitely I think the character development of him was like the most pivotal where you got to really see like you know him come from to the point of uh, uh really growing to like the, the character and becoming like because you see him it's like he didn't even want to like have the gun at the uh, first part but it was like all right like now I need the gun now so you really got to see like the the full development of him like coming from like the like the kind of punk pussy character to like, all right, I'm all in with that. So I, I thought the movie did a tremendous job with the just character, all the character developments within that. What what was the keep it in the comments section moment or or character? Like, you know, the, the thing that you could have done without in the movie, like it, the director should have just kept that shit in the comment section. Uh, well, pretty much anything that the, the mother was doing, like I just thought like she was a dope and like, like all of her moves were just false. It's like, you know, you got this guy providing, doing the best he can. You're giving this guy a hard time. You know, like you talk about you want to go to Tampa Bay and all this. It's like, it's like, look, lady, I got it. I'm going to handle the business. Like she just wouldn't allow dude to handle the business at all. So she made me sick the entire time. Yeah, I, I think that character, the Laura Dern's character, she plays the mother. I think she was very poorly written, but... Well, you know, I'm kind of on the fence about it, actually, if if she's poorly written or if it's an accurate representation of people in that situation, because I think there are a lot of people like that, where yeah. she's just like, <laughs> you know, uncomfortable, like she, she doesn't, she's not familiar with making money because at, at one point in the in the movie, you know, Andrew Garf, uh, the Dennis, Dennis, comes home after he shoveled some shit literally shoveled some shit and he made 250 dollars and she's looking at it like it's the most money ever so like i think like her character just has like i don't know if it's low self-esteem or just yeah. like just no 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 drive or passion or like, <laughs> i don't know what it is that's wrong with her but there, there's a couple things that that's wrong with her and like she, it's clear that she didn't instill like drive passion and motivation into her son and she's just like a woe is me type of person and even to the point like where her son like takes charge in the movie he starts getting money bringing money home puts them in a new crib like you know takes them out of a violent situation and uh, she's like, how could you do this? How could you go work <laughs> for the guy that pulled us out of our home? And it's it's like she doesn't ever take the accountability for like, you're a big part of why this situation is the way that it is. Like you made you probably made a bad choice. You know, your nigga probably ran off on you or whatever. Like yeah. and now like you have this son. You didn't you didn't teach him how to avoid your pitfalls. So now he's falling into the same pit and he's getting out of it the only way he knows how because you didn't give him the tools to show him how to get out of a situation like this. So it's like that that character like frustrated me. But I, the more I think about it, I, I think that's accurate. Like there's a lot of people like that. Like, you know, whether you want to call it a matriarch or whatever, like th there's a lot of people like that out there. 
Because yeah, I'm not going to necessarily go as far as to say she was a poorly written character. I think her motivations were relatively clear and like her emotions, like, you know, she's a very fearful person. Like you said, she's probably someone who has low self-esteem, but the motivation was clear. It was like, I want to get this house back. And that was pretty much it. Like there was no other ambition beyond that. So, you know, I think that was an accurate representation of, uh, you know, certain people. And um, yeah, I mean, that's 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 pretty much what it is. I do agree. Like they probably could have cut like a lot of her shit because yeah. she didn't really like add to the, like the drama of the movie. And it, it, it's almost like half of her lines are like, how could you? <laughs> it's like no like lady like how could you like how could you like raise this kid and, and and not like you know give him some wherewithal on how to make it in life and my thing is like it's not like dude is doing anything to her specifically it's like why are you so mad about this like why are you so irate about like him trying to go get some money like, he didn't even do nothing wrong really i i think like that's where emotions come into this and you know going back to the morality part she doesn't look at what rick does as moral where rick is on the other side he's saying like i represent the bank and the bank thinks it's pretty immoral for you to take out a loan promise to pay it back and not pay it back like they don't like that like they think that you're a bad guy when you do that so um i, I think some of the character especially like a lot of the evicted characters in the movie, they have a selective morality. It's like they, a lot of them aren't taking accountability for their actions. Where Rick, towards the end of the movie, like, I don't know if he's not taking an accountability for his actions more than he just doesn't give a fuck. He's I like, he yo, I'm, yeah, like, he's like, I, I'm getting 100 homes. Because yeah. when he breaks down his motivation at one point, he said, he, he saw how the American system and like broke down his father. He like felt he was a roofer, fell off a roof and all of that shit. He's like, that's not going to happen to me. And he says, I was a real estate broker. And then when the market crashed, like society and the economy turned my life into evictions. Like I didn't wake up and say, yo, I think it'd be really good to pull some motherfuckers out their crib today. <laughs> it's like, that was the opportunity presented to him. And he said, you know, I got a family to feed. Like, I'm not going to not work and eat because it's going to make somebody else feel bad. And, you know, he also wanted to have his little concubine and, you know, have a nice crib and ha have the parties and all that shit. And for me personally, like, I don't think it's nothing wrong with wanting any of that stuff. Like, you know, you should go get that shit if that's what you want. You got to have a concubine. You got that. Yeah, like, why, why wouldn't you have a concubine? Like, if you, you get buddy, like, yeah, you what else to. is he supposed to do? <laughs> you gotta have a concubine. So, um, like, we, we kind of touched on this, but like, like, fa favorite line, like, for me, <laughs> it was, you know, don't, don't get attached to real estate, don't get emotionally attached to real estate. Like, from the first time I saw that movie to this time, like, that's always stuck with me. And especially because I saw it in my early 20s and I was always thinking, yo, I want to own a house by the time I'm a certain age and I want to do this and I want to do that. And the as, the older I've gotten and the more I've learned about like real estate and how the economy works and all of that, like I think a lot of that, th those are like bullshit ideas that you're just 
like given when you're young it's like oh yeah it's good to own this and to do that and do the other but if that doesn't fit your individual financial situation you really have to evaluate if it makes sense for you to do that sort of stuff like that's why they call it a dream like that's it's, it's, you can't find that shit when you're weak so like you know you you, you said you're, you're not really a, a drama guy but uh, th- there are some funny moments in this movie. Like, Definitely. what was the what was the shit that made you laugh the most in this movie? Like the unintentional uh, comedy. When the fat guy is like, "Hey, it's you that evicted me out my house!" Like, <laughs> like he's like they're having a little, uh, I guess, a cookout or a birthday party outside the uh, motel parking lot, and it's like he just pull up. He just like ruins it like he's just like ready to kill it he's so irate with emotion everybody's having a good time and he's not worried about like any type of backlash like any security or police or anything he's just ready to kill this guy like for a victim from his home like that was hilarious to me yeah yeah like that that part was like was was funny because like Dennis keeps denying that he evicted the guy from yeah. his house. And it's like, bro, like I saw you like to <laughs> my door. And you're talking about I'm... I don't know you, dude. I don't and, know you. White guy confrontation is, like white guy confrontation is just hilarious in general. It's just like it's like, hey bro, like nah, nah, bro. Like it's just like the way white guys confront each other is just the funniest shit ever. And then like he he gets back into the room and he's he's like yelling through the door, like <laughs> it's like no, it's like no, fuck you, guy. Like you're evicting people from their cribs. Like, why are you staying at the eviction motel? Like you like he 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 was making like five, six racks like every time he stole an air conditioner. Yeah. He's still staying at the crib trying to get back his house. And to me, that just showed like how stupid he was. And um like, at least move up he, to a holiday in. Yeah, yeah, it's like you you definitely got moved to Holiday Inn after like the first week. What would you rewrite about the movie? Like the, the Steve Cut. What what would the, how would the Steve Cut have ended? See, but I, I would want it to end on like some player shit. Like you either gotta walk away from the game before it gets too far, or like just end on top. Like don't don't get like emotional halfway through the journey of like trying to get what you're trying to get like i didn't like that aspect of it like you got to go all the way with it in my opinion like if you want to be the well you either got to go all the way with it or not at all so i would have be i probably would have either restructured the whole thing really like i would have even had him like pick a, a solid direction that's the only part i didn't like it's like don't go halfway through the mission and quit like i don't like that shit yeah it's it's like um like I think it's just like a trope in Hollywood where the good guy always has to win or the you always have to like come back to morality and it's just like that's not how life works. Nah. Some people they just say fuck it at a certain point. They like like they're like no, this this is the path that I've chosen and I need to see this out. And I think it's actually more honorable to be on the path that you that you've chosen and to ride it out. Like, I don't like that whole, like, you know, Trump said at one point he thinks snitching should be illegal, where it's like, you know, you're here, we're doing the crime, 
Like Dennis is okay with defrauding the government when it comes to stealing air conditioners and stealing the plumbing and stuff out of the house so that they're getting better checks from HUD, like on the value of the property and all of that type of stuff. He's more than okay with doing that. And he's okay with going to the door and kicking people out of the house. He's fine with all of that shit. But when they like when Rick says, like, look, we got a hundred home deal on the table. And we fucked up on one piece of paperwork. It didn't get submitted in time. So I needed to forge this document so that we can get these hundred homes. Dennis is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, how, like I could never be a part of nothing like that. And to me, I just think that's like untrue to somebody in that situation. Um just in general. And it's like, you see it all the time, like in movies like Wall Street or or this one or whatever. It's like, people don't do that. Like they they ride it out. Like in real life, like Jordan Belfort, like, you know, he was the guy behind the Wolf of Wall Street. He wrote that shit out to the Fed, said, all right, enough is enough, Jordan. Like you got to go to jail now. Because it's like, that's what people do. Like they they don't, you don't get a, a conscience halfway down the road, especially when you're eating like that. Like, no. Well, so I guess yeah, it- I, I would definitely rewrite that part of the movie too. I think in fairness to the movie and what the character is and staying true to the character, like it was probably, you know, the fact that his mother and he lost his family and all that type of stuff was probably weighing on him to the point where it's like, all right, like, uh, you know, I don't want to do this shit anymore. So maybe that was the like tack that they were taking with that specific character and trying to stay true to what he what his motivation was in regards to doing why he was doing it. So like for him to lose all of that, that was his motivation of doing that. So I guess that's why he like they wrote the character to turn all the way back like from that. Yeah, I I, I don't like that shit. <laughs> money and emotions don't mix. No. And and when this lady like like towards the end of the movie, he he gets all of this money and a- after the scene where the fat guy attacks him at eviction motel, he buys like a nice house with a pool and. His mom says, I don't want to live here and I'm going down to see uncle so-and-so and I'm taking the kid with me. I'm like, hold up, bitch. Like, that's my kid. Like, my kid's staying with me. If you want to go and live on Uncle Joey's couch, like, you go do that. But me and my kid are staying in this house because I earned the money and that's my fucking kid. Like, yeah. like I-, I wish like at some point he decided to be a man. Yeah. And it's like they all like they kept him in boy mode the whole movie. That that's why I stay on the sidewalk. I, I'm not a street nigga. I don't take penitentiary chances. I don't do illegal shit. So like when the Rick guy says, "Yo, we gotta defraud the government on this type of shit," that's how we get money over here. I'm like, all right, Rick, I'm a holler at you, because it's just, like to me, it's just not worth it. Like I'm not taking no penitentiary chances, and I'm not getting to the point where you know, the last eviction is this showdown at gunpoint. Cause it's like, yeah, like th- that's where you're going to end up when you start defrauding people out of their homes. Like somebody's going to pull the hammer out when you come to the door and they're going to shoot you to me. Like that's the biggest takeaway. It's like, you gotta be a man and stand on your own morality and not, not just keep reacting to situations. And I, I feel like that's the downfall of that character. But also too, uh, as a character, there's probably an aspect to like he was never really taught real morality so he's just going off of a whim like in the moment within his emotions so 
in fairness to like what that character is and staying true true to that character, like he he probably wasn't taught the right things at the right age. So it's like, all right, well, fuck it. Like like all he knows is trying to get this house back. Like that's all he knows and that's all he wants to do. So you know, like that. I think that's why he did what he did. Hey, f- fair enough. I just think he's wrong. He's very wrong. And Rick explained it to him. I was like, yo, like, if you're going to be number two, that's what you got to do. Like, like I, that's one thing I respect about Rick. He was straightforward, like, throughout the whole movie. Like, it's like, no, no, no tricks to shit. Like, just straight up, like, this is what it is. So you got to respect that character from that standpoint. So um, what was your biggest takeaway from the movie? What, what's the lesson to be learned, the moral of the story, all that good shit? Hit it. Don't get emotional about real estate. Don't get emotional about nothing, really. Like, just, you know, be a player, hit some licks from time to time, you know. But, like, the, the worst one was the guy at the end of that shit with the, uh, with the shoddy. He, like, he, like, broke the window and shit. He's shooting at the cops. And it's like, he's shooting at his kids. All of this over a house. Like, like, oh, you can get another house. Like, don't put your life at risk over this house. Like, I didn't understand that. It's like, dude, there's a lot of houses out there, man. You can't lose your mind over no fucking house. This idea of my life is supposed to go this way, and now it's not going how I said, so I'm going to go to the extreme. Like, like, they definitely did some shady shit, but that does not change the fact that you could not afford that house and that it was smarter to probably let it go. And then sometimes... You know, when you let some, when you let an idea go, there's something better there for you, or there's a, you know, clear path for you to take when you get out of your own bullshit, you know, let go of your own ideas and all that type of shit. And you just kind of let things occur as they're supposed to. So um, that was my biggest takeaway. I'm just like, yeah, like, like that. And you got to know what you're fucking doing when you sign some paperwork, like, you know, (laughs) I, I read a book years ago about liens and how like lawyers make money on evicting people from their cribs and like when they're in the rear on the taxes and shit. And there's a threshold that you have to have. You have to have a certain amount of money and be able to pay lawyers and all that to you know have your paperwork done properly to uh, get possession of the house. But the way it was broken down to me, it's like, that's actually a really great investment strategy of, you know, somebody's in the rears on their taxes, you pay down the tax bill, and then they have the liability to pay you back at a, a high return, like a high interest rate, like north of 15%. And most people can't afford to do that. So at a certain point, the house would revert over to you because you paid the taxes. And Looking at something at opportunities like that has always been something that I say, you know, as I keep going up and I make more money, I'm probably going to get into something like that because like, where else are you going to get a 15% return on, you know, a $20,000 investment, something like that, like in a year, like it's not like those opportunities are few and far in between. And sometimes like, yeah, you do have to, you know, take advantage of financial laws and things like that. And it may seem like you're taking advantage of people, but if you know the law and somebody else doesn't, and you use that to your advantage, like, I I, I think that's 
uh, above board way to make money. And like, that's a, a smart way to make money. I just think you have to be careful on your exposure to uh, people's backlash when it comes to that. Cause people aren't going to like you very much, but um, I think it's a, it's a smart way to make money. Like, and it's not illegal. Yeah. I mean, it's probably more efficient to sell on crack. So like, you know, you can't really hate on that, I guess. But, but for, for you, that's not, you, you think that's like morally across the line? I mean, I, I I probably wouldn't do it. Like, I think there's other ways that, that I can make money specifically, you know, like off of my talent and my gifts and shit like that. So, like you said, like, I don't need some nigga, like, running after me talking ball. Like, say, yo, you you put that money down on my crib. Like, I'm going to fuck you up. Like, I don't need all of that. Like, like I'm good. That's what the LOC is for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to know that I did it. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> It's like that's BNB Enterprise. No, I didn't take your house. BNB Enterprise took your house. Like it would be. Like, I had yeah. nothing to do with that. <laughs> yeah, like you you don't have to be the face of it. And it's just business. Like, like you said, it's just a box. Like, you don't gotta get emotional about that shit. Well, like, I think I think Rick's problem is he just couldn't find anybody to do that shit because it was so brutal. Like he he was the only guy that could do it. He's the only one that could get the job done. <laughs> So what do you get 99 homes on the box line? How many boxes you giving it? I give it about a three. Like um, like you said, there's a couple of just, for me specifically, plot points that I would like to just completely change and completely rewrite about the script. But I, I thought all the characters did a good, like they were well-developed. And, and um, I thought all the uh, actors did a pretty good job within uh, what they were doing. And the movie was relatively entertaining. So I got to give it a three out of, of five boxes. Yeah, I, I think... Um... I, I'll give it a four just because I, I think the acting is really good. Um, I just think that they could have spruced up that Laura Dern character a little bit more, like gave her a little bit more nuance than just being like the hysterical mom. But um, like, other than that, like I thought, I thought like the scenes like were really intense, especially like the yeah. first time I saw it, like it, it's intense. Like when they're going to the door and taking people out their cribs, it's like, you're like, yo, I don't know how this is going to go. So yeah. I think it's like really well directed, well acted. And ultimately, you know, you do take you. There, there are some takeaways from it about, you know, morality and greed and, and all of those things. So, you know, it's not not a bad way to spend what's it like an hour and 50 minutes. Like they kept it tight. They, yeah. they didn't uh, they didn't bloat it too much. So, um, yeah, that's that's 99 homes. Go check that out if you haven't. I think it's streaming on Hulu. So, um, you know, we'll we'll be back for more on the movie club. I guess Steve is going to have to, you know, lighten it up and and pick some funny movies because I, I like these uh, these dark movies about evictions and shit. So um, I don't know if, I'm, if I have the stomach for money talks, but like, Steve, if, if you got a funny money movie, like we, we can do that next week or uh, or some shit. What, what you got in the in the tuck? Uh, I don't know. Um, I've been meaning to rewatch The Wash. Um, <laughs> all right, so maybe Steve won't be picking the movie. <laughs> uh, like maybe that'll just be something me and Mike discuss, and it's like Steve, Steve will just go along with it because he'll have us watching The Wash or some yeah. shit on Tubi. That's and a- <laughs> uh, I, I'm not watching no Tubi movies. I'm, I'm the Wash is about movie. getting money. That's about it's about business. All right. Is it? I, I've never seen The Watch. Like I, I don't think on shit like that. <laughs> That's a classic. I don't know. I, like I, when, I don't when know. Chris Rock like had that bit and he said like you know 
He's like, white people's movies, they'll be like, there will be blood or something. White people, black people's movies be like barbershop. They, they're, they're always a location or the or the car wash or some shit like that. So, you know, it, it's, it's just kind of enticing. It? Like, you gotta have a better title than The Wash to get me to click on it. There's nothing wrong with that, though. Like, Chris Rock over there tap dancing for the white man as usual. Fuck Chris Rock. I'm guessing you didn't watch his latest movie, that, that uh, Saw remake that he did. Yeah, it was terrible. Like, you, you saw it? Yeah, it was ass. Fucking terrible. I like I, I like how you're committed to watching bad movies <laughs> though. Like, like you just find the worst shit possible on the streaming service. Cause remember when you had my um you had my HBO Max password and I would like look at my recently viewed and I'm like, what the fuck is Steve watching? <laughs> yeah. This thing could just be over there watching anything. So yeah, we'll, we'll we'll have to figure out you know what's coming next. Maybe leave that in the comments. <laughs> And if y'all want to see us break down some some movies and books in the future, we gotta get back in our book bag too, and uh, you know you know uh, break down some more literature and uh, expand our minds as we should. So we'll be back next week for an all new episode. This has been the Last Men Pod, and thanks for listening.